Terry Gibbons with the Center for Higher Education Leadership, and I'm very excited today to be talking with Isabel Totem, who is the author of our recent Guide to Technology. And as you know, the Center for Higher Education Leadership is an online platform for professional development for higher ed leaders, and you can find us at www.higheredconnects.com. So welcome, Isabel. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today on our podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's um, a really exciting time for technology and higher ed. There's a lot of discussion going on, which is one of the reasons why we focused on this for one of our guides. But we also just did a guide on AI, so I hope during the conversation we can bring that in a little bit. But why don't you give us some sense of um, you know, what you thought were some of the highlights of the guide and, and why you focused on certain aspects. Yeah, um, so uh, just to like tell you a little bit about my background first. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a freelance writer, writer um, based in Seattle. And um, Yay, I heard- Seattle, go Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, so we have a lot of technology here. I interact and deal with it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I actually studied at Emerson College where I got a degree in visual uh, media and communications. And I also had a minor in entrepreneurial studies. So sort of my like background into technology kind of um, started in college. And then after that, I worked with a lot of different um, tech-based startups, mm-hmm. um, which kind of led to me writing a lot on the topics of career and technology. Um, I've worked a lot with Glassdoor and Monster.com and um, have been published in Fast Company, Fortune, a um, couple of different places like that. Um, so when I first started uh, approaching this guide, some of the things I thought about initially were my own experiences having been in school, especially at um, Emerson, which was very much um, Mm -hmm. sort of on the, we did a lot of digital uh, communications and was a film school. Um, So I sort of thought about my own personal experiences of like what I liked about um, the classes I did take. I I think when I, I mean, this was like a few years ago now that I was in college, but um, I remember it was sort of just emerging having online classes in the world courses that I did do online or we just started um, really having strong LMS systems where we would go and like our teacher would would, like literally be part of our grade to go and have to like comment and like talk to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember that being (laughs) a whole thing like all of us having to learn how to navigate this like online portal I think is what they called it. Um, And uh, so that's kind of what my initial thinking was to draw from my own personal experience and then sort of think about just how much has already changed. I mean, even just having gone back to like my own middle school and high schools and it was 15 so years ago for me, like um, seeing just how different those classrooms look. Mm -hmm. um, It's kind of interesting just to think about how much has changed relatively quickly. Um, So that was sort of why I went into breaking it up into the sort of the what's the how and the why sections to sort of first look at like, what are we actually talking about? Um, How is this actually affecting classrooms? Um, And why does it matter? Why are we talking about it? And what does it mean for sort of the future of our educational landscapes? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting time because, yeah, it it seems like the focus initially when people talked about educational technology was just this whole idea of online teaching and the MOOCs and all that. But there's so much more to it. Um, And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, is really coming out now is that it's not just about, um, you know, teaching online. There's a lot of different ways that, you know, tech can really impact, um, you know, 
the way we teach mostly, but also, you know, higher ed more broadly is looking at different aspects of tech. But, you know, that there's, you mentioned that the instru instructional technology versus course management versus student support. And, mm -hmm. and I think um, there's a lot more attention being, you know, the initial focus was more on instruction. Well, really the initial focus was course management, right? With the right. LMSs. And then it went on to instructional technology. And then now we're focused more on student support technology. So yeah. um, I'm curious you know, what your thoughts are around that transition. Yeah, well, I think it just kind of goes to show with like how how everything sort of evolves very quickly, where originally it was sort of just to think of like, okay, let's just make it easier for people to organize things and for everything to sort of be held in one place. And, um, and then it kind of, I think, just grows from like people seeing that there is more of a need and more of a desire for things to be online. And just because that's sort of how our culture has shifted to like, everything i mean it's weird to think about like even just looking at how our phones have changed and now we have all of our email on our phones and like all of our data on there um and i think that kind of when you look at how it, uh, that has sort of changed over time with education it's like it seems kind of natural that like you would present this one idea of like okay let's just do a course management system that kind of stores everything but now that we have this technology that allows us to do that, what other things can we do? And then it kind of opens the door to like, okay, what if like there's the stuff I want to cover in class, I don't really have time for it, I can put this video and store that on there for people to watch and then give, and then that kind of just opens the door, I think, to more ways that you can kind of make um, things easier and more mm -hmm. accessible. Um, and yeah i kind of lost my train of oh it's okay no problem <laughs> well you know but this also raises the issue of um you know it's, you mentioned in the guide you know different schools have different resources and, right yeah you know, i think one of the things i realized you know, as a provost it's like we got to prioritize you know what's most important for our students and you know even just the infrastructure of wi-fi was such a difficult thing when i um got to menlo college i was talking with their it person and he he was saying how you know they they were dealing with the you know, wi-fi issues because students were now bringing an average of six or seven wi-fi connected devices yeah. to campus and you know even though we were a small campus you know it was placing a really big burden on our, our wi-fi infrastructure and um you know so and but then also faculty are asking students to start doing more online like you were saying around yeah. things like um uh you know the whole issue of getting their just you know everything from assignments to watching videos to um you know uploading other uh homework uh, etc so or even doing their homework online so yeah, it's clear that we've, we've transitioned to an era where technology is required. It's not even an option. Yeah, totally. And it is really interesting just to think about how like schools before probably weren't super connected with Wi-Fi or even having to even think about like internet security as being this big deal. Mm -hmm. And now if every student has at least a laptop and a phone and I'm sure other tablets and stuff all connected, mm -hmm. um, that alone is like a huge um, cost <laughs> mm -hmm. that you have to consider. Um, 
And I think that is where something I think about as being a, a challenge for like smaller schools or schools that have less funding, like you're gonna, you're, if you're already a little bit more behind because of the resources that you don't have, now you're even further behind because now you have to worry about all of that, that previously wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we definitely struggled with issues around cybersecurity and, and um, you know, how to make sure student data was safe. Um, so yeah, and that becomes a big issue as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm curious, um, you know, what your thoughts are about the, the way, kind of the direction that student success um, types of technology are going and if you have any thoughts around that. Um, like, what do you mean in, in um, well, you know, I think one of the things we think about when we think of student success types of technology is kind of focuses on chat bots, but I think there are other ways that, um, you know, even just looking at the data, right? So, right. um, you know, you mentioned the, um, uh, uh I'm losing <laughs> the word, but, um, uh, predictive analytics, that's what I was thinking right. of. Yeah, so there's everything from chatbots to predictive analytics and sometimes combining those things so that, um, you know, the chatbot can figure out, you know, based on the student's record, uh, you know, or, or tapping into the student's info, you know, are they at risk and things like that. Yeah, I think that's one of, like, the best things that can be, um, that a school can, like, invest in because that was, like, I just remember from being in college, like, you would literally have to, like, get online like right when everything was going to open and, it, mm -hmm. and even then it would be like within a few seconds like all the classes you wanted to take would be gone and then you'd have right. like you'd like sit there like nights before making like okay here's my ideal schedule that i want and then here's like my three backup plans if i don't get any of those exactly um, and there was just there were so many times where like the system crashed where like you would think that you had enrolled in a class and then you would find out like the next day that it actually didn't process and um, and it was such a mess. So I think the, having that to just honestly just like make it all way more streamlined and smarter, I think is like one of like, I wish I could be in school now <laughs> during that time just to like be able to like better plan my courses and actually get the classes that I wanted and, and know like, you know, there might be a class that you can only at the time could just like read about or talk to your friends about and not actually really know what it was about, if it would be beneficial for you. Um, so to have a tool that could actually like look at your, what you're planning to study and like what you hope to achieve and be like, okay, I recommend this class for you. Or like, here's yes. how it fills out. Like you should take this, this semester and yep. wait, wait to that semester to do that. Like, I think that just alone takes so much pressure off of students and stress mm -hmm. to like, kind of gives them like a little personal assistant in a way for planning out their coursework that you know you could do if you have the time to go and meet with a guidance counselor or an academic advisor um, but I'm sure that that also takes a lot of work off of them when you have so many students who want that help um, having like an algorithm that can just sort of like sort it all out does make that whole process a lot easier yeah, I agree. And as somebody who actually had to plan out courses, you know, I, I just, you know, I mean, it's still, we're still developing these tools around 
figuring out, okay, which courses do we have to offer to make sure there's enough for, you know, we would, we would spend a lot of time figuring out how do we get our, our seniors graduated? You know, what courses sure. do they need? You know, how many sections of this class do we need? And, you know, I think that um, the advent of predictive analytics around that is really helpful, but I, I still think we're in the early stages of it because a lot of schools, as we were saying earlier, you know, can't really afford the software that mm. allows them to do that in a comprehensive way. And of course, it's easier for bigger institutions because there's, um, when you have thousands of students, it's um, a lot easier to, well, not easier, but I mean, getting the software is makes more sense. Whereas I think for a lot of smaller institutions, they're still doing a lot of guesswork and, you know, trying to work right. with the faculty around, um, you know, how, how do we make sure, you know, or, you know, get, make sure the students have a strong degree plan um, and when they're going to take their courses and are we offering the courses at the right time and, and so on. And, you know, even just figuring out how to make sure students, you know, these classes will fit into students' schedules. You can imagine right. it's like a, a huge jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's such a shame, too, to think of, of that being it, like so expensive because it's so useful even just to have the data that it collects alone. Because mm -hmm. um, I think about where like you can track like which classes sell out, which are the most popular, like which have the highest rates of people dropping it like and then you can use that to say okay if, if this class continually is pulling up like maybe we should invest more in offering that class more like invest in having um more courses like that um and i think like that was something i i think about a lot too is like just using that to to understand what students want and where students are being engaged and then use that to help set students up for success by by actually taking that data and mm -hmm. using it to then present more courses and and more um, classes that are on those topics or um, have that success rate and I think just being able to see all of that data alone is very helpful for institutions. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, these days data is really the key to so many different issues and being able to to use it in, in really good ways and i've followed some different companies that are doing work around this and you know they're they're using predictive analytics to do it not just to figure out when classes should be offered but you know what you know if a student takes this particular class and gets a particular grade you know how does that impact them down the line and mm -hmm. and there's just some really really interesting stuff um developing right now and some of it's using um, not quite artificial intelligence, but, um, you know, it's predictive analytics, but then mm -hmm. there are some companies that are focusing more on AI and using it in, in different ways. And we just actually, our latest guide is on artificial intelligence and all the different options out there for using it to everything from admissions to, um, you know, student information systems, et cetera. And, yeah, I think, but I think a lot of the concerns around data and AI is is that you know there can be some some bias in there, yeah. and uh, and how we need to be careful when you know around anything with predictive analytics and data that it's not being particular biased in any particular ways. Yeah, exactly, and that's where I think um, I'd be curious to see how like that technology will evolve with that like if, is there ever a way to like 
remove that bias. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the problem is how do you, you know, how do you write the algorithms in right. such a way that, you know, they don't incorporate the biases we already have to a certain extent and then, yeah. you know, perpetuate those. Yeah. So there's been a lot of discussion around that these days. Um, you know, because if you're taking, say, you know, a particular class, and but a certain group of students maybe isn't doing well, and, and it tends, anyway, it can be uh, uh, stigmatizing in some ways, um, but also um, it's important to understand the limitations of, of that kind of technology. Right, yeah, and I think that's, that's exactly what just makes me think about the, like, the idea of AI um, replacing the the actual like physical interperson interaction where mm -hmm. um especially when it comes to education i mean there's so many pros and cons and i go into a lot of this in the guide but what i think about is like can can ai ever just like will it ever i mean we'll see what happens but i just can't imagine like there ever being a time where like you just don't have actual in-person interaction because ai can't can't see those limitations um or just be flexible right i mean yeah you know, i look at just my time teaching and and a lot of times you know i just needed to be flexible in dealing with a particular student or mm -hmm. you know i think about accessibility issues um and you know the user experience uh, you know you know the having that face-to-face -face connection versus ai or uh, or you know there's a lot of discussion right now about having and actually not discussion, people, they are using AI to grade things like essays and, and exams. And, um, you know, the, there's concern that it's, it doesn't understand context or right. yeah. you know, that you can just spew a bunch of nonsense words. And if it hits the right keywords, then, you know, it, it gets through. So I think there's a lot of nuance within teaching that has to be taken into account. Um, but you know that we also know that more students need to be taught at, at lower cost. So um, unless we're going to see a, a huge investment, which I think should happen, but it's not likely to happen um, anytime soon, um, to you know uh, increasing access and, and improving um, the resources that are needed for teach for teaching in particular. Yeah, but see, then I, I when I th when I think about AI too, and um, this idea of like there not being like the reduction of interperson um, interaction, I just think about where, like, it's great to invest in all of that and get and get students prepared for um, having all these technology skills that are are definitely going to be relevant once they graduate and go on to their careers. Um, but then you're also reducing their public speaking skills and their handwriting skills and their like ability to interact with people. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes me think about where I think AI does have that limitation of like actually engaging with people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I think of like just like job interview prep alone, like how much of like actually being in a class and having to give a presentation, work on a group project, um, all of that are as part of you know being in school and learning these different skills that are going to set you up for success when you go to get a job and you have to work on a team at, at work and um i think that's something that um would be a huge loss for for students if 
um, if we were just to invest in AI, but I think there will be some some balance there of with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, no, I think that you know actually there's a lot of resistance <laughs> yeah. to um, to investing in AI. I, you know, and that's something I, I look at a lot is the, you know that that there's all this ed tech out there and and a lot of push to use it. But um, you know, you look at K through twelve, they've been much more accepting of technology than higher ed has been. And I think a lot of that has to do with the structure of higher ed and the way that you know faculty have. Are, you know have a lot of leeway in you know developing their curriculum and and how the way they teach their courses and and so on so I mean I think one thing that will be a challenge with technology going forward is there's not a lot of standardization in higher ed as compared to k through 12 you know k through 12 there's a you know a, usually a, you know, a particular curriculum that has to be taught and so on whereas in higher ed that curriculum is developed you know with the between the faculty and administrators or you know within departments um, and so there's not necessarily a lot of standardization that would allow for um, some of the kinds of innovations that have happened in K through 12 or not at least not as easily yeah so I, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is that you know it's I still think that um, you know, there, there's really great uses for, for tech and on so many different fronts, but I think around, you know, curriculum, it's going to be a lot longer before higher ed really starts to do more of the um, kinds of things that K through 12 is doing around certain aspects of curriculum. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, they, um, the other thing I want to, to just touch on is, you know, uh, some of the solutions um, that uh, we've been uh, kind of touching on around, um, you know, how higher ed can can use uh, technology. And um, actually, we had a really interesting article recently on the use of virtual reality, and not only its use um, in the classroom, but also for you know developing things like empathy and. And helping people understand things like unconscious bias. So I think it's interesting to think about ways that technology can be used, not just you know in terms of you know uh, dealing with data or um, uh, you know grading, et cetera, but just kind of more broadly um, uh, how it improves students' access to information and how you know they can learn things through virtual reality that they can necessarily learn um, in uh, other ways. So um, I'm just curious your thoughts about that. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. I think that that is what's um, really great about it is that it does make it more um, both relevant, more engaged, more interactive for students, mm -hmm. um, especially VR. I think I remember um, there, there was a class that was just starting when I was leaving college um, that had a little bit of VR um, worked into it. And I thought, you know, that would be really cool just alone, like how much that possibility is. Mm -hmm. um, even just thinking about like immersing into like all these different things that you could actually like talk about, but then like go into a virtual reality world and, and mm -hmm. like have um, the ability to like see it and talk about it and I think that can really open the door to so much mm -hmm. um, absolutely 
But the other thing I think about is just how much our attention spans as a culture have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when I, I think that's driving a lot of the the uh, technology and the way things like VR actually. Right. Yeah. Like I can't imagine if I had to sit in like a like a forty five minute lecture where like a teacher just has a PowerPoint and just talks and you take notes like. I can't imagine any students being able to do that now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a really different world than, yeah. <laughs> say, 30 years ago. Right. But yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's going to push this stuff is, you know, that faculty see the need to be more effective in the classroom and, and mm. dealing with students who you know, are used to more interact. Yeah, just being more, I mean, it's funny because we think of tech as, reducing interactivity and yet I think there are a lot of ways that it can increase interactivity yeah um you know even if it's just doing the online discussions and um you know working uh with VR and you know having actual experiences and so on I think there are ways that tech can actually increase the interaction between um students and you know in a, a particularly in an online class. I think yeah, that's one of the things we learned even in doing our own class, um, our higher ed administration 101 course, which, you know, we're just using a, a LMS, but still, um, you know, the, the ability for the students to talk to each other online mm -hmm. was a really helpful addition that, um, you know, we couldn't do before we had these yeah. kind of technology. And talk to teachers yes. online. And like, and I think that's something that, um, is really helpful to a technology where teachers can get can have the ability more to communicate whether it's like leading a discussion board online or like reading through the comments and talking to them or, or then you know using those comments to bring up discussions in their lectures um, and i think that is where technology can also give both students and teachers the ability to give each other more feedback where um, teachers can see like you know, you can give a pull after a lesson and kind of ask for a rating and kind of get like more instant feedback on like, what did you like about this? What did you not like? It's like, mm -hmm. um, I think that can only help teachers sort of get more feedback that is useful to like, then go and, you know, improve either for the next class or for the next semester and look at, um, what their current students are actually thinking i mean even if they just went onto social media and saw what students were talking about like they could even use that to see how their um their classes are actually either engaging or disengaging them mm -hmm. yeah um it's uh you know just one of those things where i think that uh we're just gonna have to see how things develop but uh, there is gonna be a lot more focus on um you know faculty connecting with students and, and things like that so um yeah so any last thoughts before we wrap up um i don't think so i think like you just said i'm i guess you know we just have to kind of see what happens yes. <laughs> you know it's very interesting and um especially with uh, VR, I think just across all industries, that's going to be really exciting to see what happens. So um, it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as this, yeah, it's a famous. Uh, I think they call it the Chinese quote. You know, may you, may you live in interesting times, and we yeah. definitely do in so many different ways. But um, thanks so much, Isabel. This has been a really interesting discussion, and um, 
I look forward to seeing more from you and Higher Ed Connects. Yeah, of course. Thank uh, you so much for having me. <laughs> say hi to Seattle for me. Actually, I'll be up there. It's actually a really beautiful day. The sun is out and it's not raining and it's Yay! like <laughs> so it's a yes. great Seattle day. <laughs> yeah, I'll be up there for the holidays. So uh, I'm hoping the weather is nice then too. But uh, anyway, have a great rest of your day. And thanks everybody for joining us for our Higher Ed Leadership Podcast. And again, check us out at www.higheredconnects.com. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.